Richie Buckheel with ease. Miguel Aziz, his first goal for Portsmouth. Into the path that Smithrow, into the box. Smithrow scores. A really deserved first goal in Huddersfield Town Colours. The January transfer window is upon us, and that means there's always new names going out on loan, but also some names that might get recalled, and the first of those was Miguel Aziz. The news just broke this morning. His loan with Ibiza has been terminated uh, short of June, which is when it was supposed to run to. Had a bit of a tough spell over the last month, not getting much action. He did start quite a few games in the early parts of the year, but Ibiza have slipped all the way to the bottom of the table. Uh, they now sit dead last with 16 points through 19 matches. Uh, they have been through a turbulent period. There's been some backlash from the manager and how the team has been playing. And Aziz only played 10 minutes since November. And keep in mind, they played throughout the World Cup. There was no World Cup break in La Liga too. So Aziz kind of fell out of the side. And you know, a recall makes sense, which is unfortunate because this is now back-to-back seasons where a loan move that looked promising has not worked out, and Miguel Aziz is going to have to figure out what to do next. Again, it's unlikely that he stays and plays more youth football. It's clear that he is above that level. But how do we get him to progress to the level that many scouts and, and many fans have expected to, him to get to already uh, and what the best next move is for him? My guess is Arsenal would look for a loan move to an English club, keep him a little bit closer to home, uh, find a system that suits him, probably a double pivot somewhere. Uh, I don't know exactly the club that's perfect for him. Uh, I know Arsenal have good relationships with uh, the likes of Birmingham. Uh, obviously, Blackpool, they've sent players to multiple years in a row now with Charlie Patino already there. I think that's unlikely. Um, we have a good... Uh, you know, spell with Rotherham. We have a player there multiple years in a row now. So I don't know. I think it's likely a championship club for Miguel Aziz. Rooting for him, obviously, a very unfortunate situation. Uh, the two loan moves haven't worked out for him. You love to not blame the player, but you just never know what the situation is. Uh, and then, of course, the other player who we all expect to get recalled uh, is Omar Rekik, who he did play 45 minutes in a friendly uh, on December 30th, just before the transfer window opened uh, against Westerloo, Sparta Rotterdam played a friendly. They did concede twice in the second half while he was on the pitch, having not conceded in the first half. But you'd expect him to get recalled. He, he's only played 14 competitive minutes. He's been playing with their second team often. So we'll see what happens there. But again, it's been rumored for a while that a recall is coming, and I'd expect to see it over the coming days as Arsenal try and sort out a move that will work for him. In more positive loan news, Charlie Vettino and Fuller and Balagoon continue to be spectacular. The two biggest prospects out on loan are playing well and doing it week in and week out. We'll start with Flo because we were excited to see him come back from the World Cup break, hoping that he had not lost that mojo that he had going and immediately comes out not 10 minutes in and scores against third-place Rens uh, as Rems go on to win 3-1 over third-place Stead Rens, which is Incredibly impressive for a side that has struggled quite a bit this year, especially to score goals. Balgoon ended with two goals, scoring a late one uh, in the in the 82nd or 3rd minute to go up 3-1. But just an overall excellent match from Flo, and it wasn't just the goal scoring. He did score, as I mentioned, two goals from almost one XG, which is, you know, 
pretty impressive. Obviously, the first goal was both goals, to be honest. Inside the box, nobody around uh, around the first goal was a cross that came in. Balogun did excellently to just peel off the back shoulder of the defender and find some space in the middle of the box and hammered a volley home. I mean, not an easy finish, not a hard finish. I mean, he, he was in tons of space in the box. All he had to do was get enough contact on it, and it should beat the keeper. But he struck it hard, and he struck it sweetly, and it was a very deserved goal at the time. He had already almost scored a goal in that match. Uh, the match stats overall, he had a key pass, 6 of 7 passing, 3 shots on target, 1 out of 2 successful dribbles, and 1 of 1 long balls. And I do apologize in advance for the honking. It's rush hour in New York City, and I live in a small apartment, so there's not much I can do there. But back to France and Fuller and Balagoon. As I mentioned, almost scored a goal earlier on in the match. Uh, he set up a teammate inside the box with what should have been a goal two, three minutes in. And unfortunately, just took his teammate a little too long to get to the ball and get the shot off and was blocked. Uh, but the chance came from really excellent pressing by Flo to win the ball back uh, and force you know, kind of a mistake to his teammate, receive the ball out on the wing. Made that nice cross. A few moments later, Balgun picks the ball up on the opposite wing, on the left wing. Cuts back in on his right before firing a hard shot with some curve. Uh, keeper got his hands up to it quickly. Steve Mandanda, if many of you probably remember from the Premier League, made a small debut with Crystal Palace for a year or two. Uh, but got made a nice save, got his hands up to it quick. But then literally 90 seconds later, as I mentioned, ball comes in. Balgun peels off the back shoulder and volleys it home. Uh... More than just the goal scoring throughout this match, he did really well receiving the ball in midfield multiple times to help keep the pressure on Rens. They couldn't just box Reams in. Uh, and, you know, not spinning defenders, but not spinning them every single time, not spinning them the same way every time, just keeping them on their toes. His hold of play really has improved. He's not just like receiving and passing it right back, which doesn't do anything. He's receiving, able to hold a defender off the ball for a little while. He's patient on the ball, and then he can find a man. Uh, who can find space in front of him or find a man on the wing who has room to cross and create a chance. He, he's really become an overall chance creator, a playmaker, and obviously the goal scoring is incredibly, incredibly uh, impressive. He did help set up the second goal, not his second goal, but the second goal of the match. Played a through ball uh, minutes later who to a player who just couldn't beat the keeper 1v1, but another excellent playmaking opportunity by Balagoon, and he would have had an even better chance for himself in a 1v1, uh, but he was just offsides on the back shoulder of a defender. A couple times in this match in the second half, Balagoon was in a great space, making a great run, but the ball came just a half second too late. And I'm not saying, you know, obviously great strikers time those runs great, and Balagoon will get better at that, but his movements just become very intelligent. He's He has that little bit of Aguero to him where he finds himself in offside positions and waits around there, and then is able to track back and make the run off the back shoulder of the defender. Uh, as I mentioned a couple of times, the ball just didn't come on time. And Balogun, obviously, that'll come with chemistry with players and with playing with players uh, with more skill and more intelligence. But a few times he would have had a good goal-scoring uh, opportunity if he could have received that pass just a half second earlier. The second goal came after uh, a great run and then got a lucky bounce, kind of allowing to head it into an empty net. Uh, basically, a ball came through to Balgun, who was making another one of those good runs. Uh, the ball was overhit. The goalie came out, though, to clear it, cleared it off his own guy's back, and it fell to Balgun to just head it into the net from the six-yard box and put them up and win the match 3-1. Huge, huge win for Rems. Flo Balgun, 
on 10 goals in the league already this season. Incredible, incredible stuff. He did unfortunately miss out on their next match with Lil, who they ended up drawing with 1-1. Another good result for the side. But he felt slight uncomfort in his hamstring. It was a precautionary situation, but he was not in the squad at all. And we will keep our eye on that because, again, we don't want this amazing form to end. Speaking of players on great form, Charlie Patino has continued to play in that holding midfield role, more at the base of midfields, not a, really a double pivot. He's really kind of playing as a lone six. Uh, he played 66 minutes in the base of midfield in a 2-1 loss to a very tough Sheffield United side who sits second in the championship. But Patino was incredibly impressive. 29 of 34 passing, one of one successful dribbles, completed three long balls. He won three out of four of his tackles, all eight of his ground rules, and he made 10 passes into the final third. I mean, this is an all-around incredible midfield performance. The passing accuracy, the volume of the passing for a team getting dominated on possession like that, winning all of his ground duels, it, it's just, I mean, this is what pros are made of. And to see him adapt so quickly to a role that, yes, he played a little bit at youth levels, but it's not really the same. You can't play, you don't play lone six at youth levels the way that you have to eat up space and understand the game and be intelligent the way you do at the, at the senior level, whether it's the championship or the Premier League. Um, he's gotten incredibly, incredibly happy and comfortable passing with his weak foot, which I mentioned earlier in the year he had started to improve on. He's able to do all the same things in tight spaces with his right foot that he does with his left. Um, and it, it really has opened up passing lanes for him, angles for him. It's helped him get out of tight spaces, tricky situations. He's spun out of trouble a few times in his own half uh, with defenders now. Can't really just shade him one way, right? He's happy to kind of play to whichever side is open for him. Uh, he's really, really excellent. At, it's not really something that you talk about so much because you expect this out of players, but for a young kid playing in the championship, his first senior season in senior football, I think he's done a really excellent job at receiving, kind of bouncing balls, balls that are hard to control, and with one touch, he's either controlling it or passing it out of that tight space, finding a teammate, no problem, uh, and continuing to you know possess the ball on a team that needs that, especially against a side like Sheffield United, who are happy to dominate possession. Uh, but overall, great match in 66 minutes, really an impressive showing. He then played uh, later that week 80 minutes in the same position in a 1-1 draw with Sunderland. Another side high up on the table who are enjoying a really nice spell. And Patino, you know, they really saw very little possession in this match. He, but he was just excellent. Like, even if you're not watching the match for him, it was clear he was the best player for Blackpool and one of the best players on the pitch. He was 20 of 28 passing. He had a key pass, two of two successful dribbles. He was one of one on crossing, three of three on long balls. I mean, just think about how in, when you have possession for this little bit of time and you want to make things happen, you become impatient, you start to force things, you, you're uncomfortable on the ball. Some of these numbers are incredible for such a young kid. Uh, he won two tackles. He won three interceptions, nine out of 15 of his ground duels and both of his aerial duels. We've talked about his aerial duels previously. He is seemingly able to find space to win headers as if there's no defenders in his area or midfielders. And I've never really, it's kind of an odd thing to see. I don't know if it's a championship thing or if it'll translate, but it's not something I noticed about his game before this year. And he seemingly is so comfortable to find that space, win those headers and find a man uh, every single time. It was really overall though, just an incredible performance again on and off the ball, spurring counterattacks. He had one play where some of them were coming forward, coming forward, coming forward. He finally got kind of a rebound that fell to him just outside of his own box. Took one dribble out to the left, 
dragged his defender with him a little bit, dragged the defender up the field a little bit that way, and then kind of reverse through ball threaded between both defenders and immediately spurred a counterattack for his side. He did that two or three times, and it's just it's so incredible that he has all these different assets to his game and that he's so quickly become so comfortable playing in such a deep position, being such a deep-lying playmaker. And, you know, I'm coming around more to the idea of him as a six long-term. I don't think that's where he wants to be. I don't think that's probably where Arsenal want him to be. But, you know, if next season we're not to bring in a guy like Declan Rice or somebody for cover for Thomas Partey and the Lakonga six experiment, listen, I like Sambi Lakonga a lot. I think his passing range is incredible and it's very rare to see. But he doesn't seem to have the physical attributes or intelligence to play in that position. And Charlie Patino is picking it up very quickly, obviously known to be an incredibly intelligent player. So I'd be interesting to see if... That's maybe what's asked of Charlie Patino next year, maybe a little bit in uh, you know, cup matches or whatever it is to get him used to it, see what happens in friendlies in the preseason. I don't know. But I'd be interested to see if that's what happens next year. Again, there's a chance he goes on loan again next year to a Premier League side. I wouldn't put that past the situation at the club. We'll see if we go on and do great things this year, what the outlook is like for next year. But either way, Charlie Patino has become a very tough opponent to play against. He has shown incredible grit and incredible willingness to put his body on the line and just hold down the middle of the park. And this 1-1 draw was huge for Blackpool in a relegation battle against a very, very good side. Staying in the championship, the Brook Norman Coffee situation is a little bit odd. He played the final 14 minutes against Huddersfield in a 2-0 loss. If you remember, last episode, he was left out of the squad completely in a match. Uh, you know, he did... Well, in this match, when he was on for 15 minutes, 7 of 8 passing, he had a key pass and a successful cross. He won both of his tackles. He won his only aerial duel. Like, he's doing great things on the pitch, and the manager seems to say in the press that he's done great things. Uh, he then, though, later in the week, only got to play the final 23 minutes in a 3-0 loss to Millwall. Again, did very well. 5 of 8 passing, a successful dribble, won his only aerial duel, won a ground duel. Uh, I mean, Rotherham are chasing the game. They're pushing him up the pitch. They're trying to make things happen, but... I don't know. If there's something going on behind the scenes, the manager did say there's a chance he returns to Arsenal. Again, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's been a pretty successful loan period for him. He's been excellent in the championship. He's played a lot of football up until now. There was some rumor of some sort of rift between him and Brooke in the tunnel after a match. Uh, it's not clear how true that is. I'm not here to speculate on that other than to say it's weird for him to say he might go back to Arsenal when... That would really surprise me. I know there's links of Cedric getting sent either out on loan or sent to Fulham on a permanent or an option to buy with a loan, whatever it might be. But even then, it would surprise me if Brook Norton Cuffey were to return and stay at Arsenal or return at all. I guess we would need right-back cover, but when a player's seen so much playing time, I don't know. Arsenal are going to be in contact with Rotherham with this recent development. I can promise you that. But my guess would be that he stays uh, with Rotherham for the rest of the season and gets his starting spot back because he's been one of their best players and one of the best wingbacks in the championship, if not the best. Uh, another, We have another wingback in the championship, obviously, Harry Clark, who is just so turbulent. It's so up and down every match with him. And the good matches are incredible. He played twice this week, 90 minutes twice, the first being a little bit just like classic Harry Clark nonsense. He played in Burnley in a 1-0 loss. Uh, he did have a shot on target, but 16 of 32 passing. Did not complete any of his three crosses. He did win both of his tackles, but only two of seven ground duels. 
He did win three out of his five aerial duels. I will say he's gotten a lot better in the air, a lot better at timing his jump and finding the right position and using his physicality and size as a former center back to win those duels on the outside. But he did pick up a yellow card for what was a little bit of an outrageous challenge. Uh, he was lackadaisical in his passing. He wasn't picking out players to beat the press as much as just huffing it up the pitch at times. Obviously, Burnley, one of the best sides in the league, uh, but and completely controlled possession, but really just not Harry Clark's day. But then against Preston North End in a 1-0 loss, he did a lot of really excellent things. Uh, he was 16 of 29 passing, but he did create three chances. Uh, he won his only tackle. He made three interceptions. He won six of eight aerial duels. And he wasn't dispossessed once in the entire match, which is an incredible rarity for Harry Clark. He is, you know, likes to pick up the ball and make things happen and cause some ruckus and get high up the pitch fast. Um, but obviously, he was a little bit more on it on this day. And fans were really happy with his performance. However, he did lose his man on the front post on a corner at the very end of the match. Uh, and that guy scored the goal to beat them. So that's what you get with Harry Clark. It was an incredible finish. Like, header from, like, you know how the six-yard box is a little rectangle? He was closer than the six-yard box, so like three yards out, but on an angle that was outrageous. Incredible head, uh, header home. But, again, this kind of just shows what you get with Harry Clark. Uh, he did nearly have an assist off a really nicely weighted pass uh, from inside the box. It went right across the box, but his striker kind of whiffed on it. Uh, he made great contact on a volley that on a rebound off of a corner, but it got blocked before getting to the keeper. might have been a goal. Uh, you can't fault him for always trying to be inventive. He really, really is. But the defense, again, like I said, he lost his man on the front post. He got wrong-sided in the box with about 10 minutes ago and made a tackle and was lucky to not give away a penalty. Looked like there was some contact there for sure. Uh, and then made a terrible tackle towards the end of the match chasing a player up the pitch, slide tackle from behind, lucky to get away with a yellow, back-to-back uh, -back yellow card matches for Harry Clark. So it's like, it, you just never, everything is so tumultuous with him. It's it's crazy to watch. It's like a freaking clown show. Uh, and I will say, we talk a lot about it with Brooke Norton Cuffey, uh, Rule Walters, who they have this left-footed ability that helps them play out of the press uh, and break the press. Harry Clark has no left foot passing abilities like when it goes on to his left foot he is just clearing it up the pitch that's where it's going uh and it really does prevent him from you know being calm in possession and helping to play out of the press and why his passing numbers are often so much lower than you'd want going down to some lower league action tim akinola played the final 17 minutes against scunthorpe united in a 4-1 win they were only up 2-1 when he came on and he immediately provided a spark and what i've noticed about him recently is he's a little bit more intelligent. He's, you know, played at Hale and he's had a little bit different learning than a lot of these players. And he's so often pointing out passes the way we're used to seeing Arteta from the sideline. He is pointing to his players, pass there, pass there, there's an open player, move into this space. And it's really interesting to see. You don't see that a lot on the pitch, especially from young players like Akinola. And he was doing this a lot in this match. And he did immediately provide a spark when he came on. He picked up the ball, beat a man, drew a foul outside the box, and his teammate scored directly from that free kick to make it 3-1 and put the match away. So Tim Akinola has really had a nice little spell here, really nice last six, eight weeks, uh, and hopefully that continues. Whether or not he's in the starting 11 or not, he has shown some nice sparks. Uh, Mazid Ngungbo, another player in and out of the 11, in and out of the side, not really clear what all the purpose is for that. Played the final 15 minutes against Stevenage, 
He was 8 of 10 passing, won his only tackle, won his only aerial duel. But this time, he was playing more in that back five left center back role uh, and not as far up the pitch. That's why you don't see the long ball cross and dribble numbers that we're used to seeing with Mazid. Uh, he then did not make the squad for the match against Newport County, so we'll keep an eye on what's next for Agungbo, whether a recall is in the cards. Obviously, he was sent there because of the Betsy connection. Now, Betsy's gone. So I wouldn't be shocked to see a recall here, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if he stayed. It's really kind of a 50-50, and seeing what's going on with him behind the scenes and the you know manager and, and staff over there at Crawley Town. We'll now move over to our goalies, um, Tom Smith did get the week off here. I think he's just played a lot of matches. He got a rest against Southend, and he was on the bench. That's my guess. He's been pretty good for them, better than their goalie was before him. So I'd expect that just to be a one-match rest and to see him back in action. To our other two goalies, Ovia Jahiri gave up two goals to Braintree Town in a 2-2 draw. He made a nice save early on on a hard-bouncing shot from outside the box. Excellent job being in the right place on a header from across into the box a few minutes later. The best thing about Ejahiri has been his positioning. He doesn't have the physical qualities that Okonkwo has or other goalies, but he's got a really great mind for the game in terms of his positioning and his reactions and where to get his hands and body at what time. And I think that's made him so effective, especially at this level. Uh, not much he had done on that first goal scored. Ball was bouncing around in the box, hit a bunch of different people before it ended up in the net. I mean... It would be harsh to say that he should have been more aggressive with the ball coming in. Uh, it was really unclear exactly what happened in the amoeba of people that was in there, but it did end up being a goal. Uh, and one of Chumsford's goals really came from Ejahiri being smart again. Received a cross that he intercepted, quickly rolled it out of his box to a man up the field, who then assisted the second goal for Chumsford. So nice to see him doing that, a little bit different from what we're used to with him. In the second half, he made a great save off of a header flashed across his box from a corner kick. A, not a great day of marking in the box for Chelmsford. A lot of open players around. Uh, and then an absolute worldly was scored on a volley from outside the box to equalize. It was a corner kick. Ball was headed away. One bounce, and a guy, you know, 30 yards out, puts it into the top corner. Nothing Ejahiri could have done about that. But he did make a save at the death on a shot from just outside the six. Made himself huge. Hands up, legs spread, stopped the goal, and got the point for Chelmsford, which is massive. Uh, Ejahiri then played in a 2-1 win over Weldstone. Tell me if I got that wrong. In the FA Trophy match. Big win for them as Weldstone are a level above them in the National League, sitting 10th. And he made a couple of nice saves. And they go on to the next round. I mean, anytime you're in a cup competition, that's great experience. Ejahiri's loan does theoretically end this week. That's been talked about quite a bit on Twitter, um, just around the club, I'm sure. I think it's really unlikely that he's recalled. I'm sure that he will end up staying there. They'll sign a second six months, as I've mentioned about 100 times. Uh, he will win Chelmsford's Player of the Month for December. Not his first time doing that. He's been their most important player. And yes, he probably is better than this level, but when you're having such a good loan spell and playing week in and week out, that's a little bit more important. I wouldn't take him out of that comfortable situation that he's in. Arthur Okonkwo, our other goalie on loan, did not have his best match in his first match this week. 3-0 loss to Carlisle. He made three saves from 3xG on target, a little bit over three, so decent enough performance there. You'd like to see him make a few more saves when the xG on target's three. But all the saves he did make... Uh, were from inside the box. Decent day distributing, 23 of 35 passing. 
The first goal was deflected in off a corner. Nothing he could have done. Made an amazing double save. I think this was the best action I've seen him have all season. Just a few minutes later, his defender lost the ball inside their own third, and Tacker got a 1v1 with Okonkwo. He came out and made... I'm sorry, he did not come out. The 1v1 was coming in. It was a hard shot low and away from him to the opposite post. Okonkwo got fingertips to it to push it away, got up to his feet quickly as another attacker was storming in, and made himself huge at the near post to prevent a goal. Incredible double save, incredible reactions and athleticism to make it, get up and make it happen. Didn't give up on the play. Huge save there. Second goal, horrific defending again. Crew have been terrible defending as of late. And the third goal, I will say, was weak goalkeeping. Uh, albeit it was a 1v1. So, you know, goals are expected from there. But the shot was pretty much right at him at hand's height, and it went through his gloves. He went to started going to ground, and I think even though he got his hands up, he was just a little bit too low already. Uh, he did win man of the match in his next match in a 1-0 win over Tranmere Rovers, making two saves. Really different tactical match here from Crew, as they've been defending so poorly. They sat back a little bit, played long balls over the top a little bit more. Conquo only 8 of 28 passing in this match. They did not try and possess low, and, and they've been beaten so many times by it that they had to give up on that. Made a fantastic save on a bullet shot from just outside the box that was going in the top corner early on. Good save there from Okonkwo. Uh And his long ball from the back, as I mentioned, uh, did set up the only goal. It was kind of a knuckling ball, hard to deal with. They kind of tried to head it out. It bounced down, and, I mean, to be fair, a crew player scored one of the best goals I've seen this season. Half volley from outside the box, bang into the top netting. Awesome, awesome goal. Uh, but we'll take that little bit of a credit for Okonkwo. Those are all the players who feature. we got Mika Biarith and Nikolai Moeller coming back with the Dutch Leagues coming back this weekend. Albiosu, dealing with a slight injury, did not make the squad. Marcelo Flores made the squad but didn't feature against Atletico Madrid in a 2-0 loss in the Copa del Rey round of 16. Would have liked to see him feature there. A little bit bummed by that. Tyrese John-Jewel still out injured. Salah Eddin Ulad M. Hand still out injured. And Alex Kirk who was originally thought to be out till March, back and fit already, would have played this week if their match was not postponed due to the freezing cold. But amazing to see. He's having an amazing spell and a guy who I can't wait to watch get back out there because big things for him second half of the year this year and could really show what he's got in his career moving forward. And a guy who you could see in the championship next season on loan, Daniel Ballard-esque player. So that's what we have for this week. I'm sure we'll have a little bit more news on potential recalls and other loan moves. And we'll come back at you with an Away From Hailand next week. But thank you for listening and talk to you soon.